And now on Tucson Business Radio, let's find out how to be healthy, wealthy, and wise with your host, Karen Fisher. Good afternoon and welcome to this month's edition of our podcast and broadcast, if you will, which is Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. We are actually broadcasting remotely in Tucson due to all the COVID pandemic, but normally we broadcast from the studio that's located in the Stuart Title corporate offices right off of Broadway. Um, you know, it's been a long year for everybody, but I want to let you know we've got some people that are making a huge change and a huge difference, and I have a very special guest with me today by the name of Jessica Cork. And welcome, Jessica. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I am so excited. Well, we're going to have some fun and make some difference for some people. So first and foremost, I want to uh, just uh, highlight a few of the, a little bit of, about the bio, and then uh, we're just going to have some fun. So first and foremost, Jessica Corp is a visibility strategist and the owner of Fleur de Lis Photography, which I love that Fleur de Lis, L-E-A, is actually a takeoff on your name. So we're going to talk a little bit about branding and how you got how you came up with that, which is huge. And this is huge. It just got launched. We're very excited about you are the CEO of Refashioned Magazine. Um, And you work with a lot of women business owners who want to stand out, get seen by their perfect clients. And we'll talk about what that definition might look like and have a collaborative, supportive and growth minded tribe to be a part of along the way. Um, On the personal side, you are the mom to four beautiful and strong-minded girls ranging from five to 16 years old. Uh, That's just amazing. Okay. Uh, Fur mom to two mostly well-behaved dogs and a guinea pig. She's been with her husband for 10 years and dubs him as possibly the most patient and supportive man in the world. She may have had to go through a rough first marriage to find him, but he was worth the road traveled. I love that. And uh, Jessica believes in the marriage of femininity and power and that women can in fact have and be both. She also believes wholeheartedly in women rising together and that when they do, the world will change. We are all world changers in the making. You just have to decide what your change will be. So that's pretty huge as far as with the bio and things like that. So so let's let's get into it. So, um, so in essence, you've got two businesses. You've got the Fleur de Lis photography, which uh, you do. Um, so t- talk to us about what your photography business does. Sure, yeah. So for the most part, we mainly focus on headshots and personal branding, um, really in helping women get seen, right? We use their photos to help them be found by their ideal clients. And I can explain more about that in a minute too. We also have a few other portraits we love to do. We launched a um, project this year also called The Art of Her, which is really celebrating women who have been through some things, right? And they wanna share their stories. And um, we we also do a few other portrait things that I just love to do on the side for creativity purposes. And, and so that's that's the basis of the photography piece of what I do. So what what got you into photography? It's uh, it's always an interesting thing. Like, what is it that you see? Because one of the things that I notice from your photography is that you see things that other people don't. Thank and you. I think that that's um, true, not just for what you do as far as photography, but also how you're helping to raise um, to raise women up and maybe um, highlight things that they're doing 
in our community or what they've been through. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's kind of a funny story. So many photographers have that wonderful, like my grandfather gave me a camera. You know, I don't have that. I actually did not care about photography at all. I was going to art school for graphic design. Um, and was that here started, in Tucson? Yeah, yep, okay, yep. Yeah. So I was attending, it was Suva at the time. And um, I really enjoyed it. I really loved it. We all were in the same basic classes learning about color theory and light, right, and all of the things. I decided along that way that I should take a side class to learn a camera, like how to use a camera. Like what if I ever need stock photos in the future, I should know how to use a camera. It was basically the extent of my interest at the time. While I was attending art school, I was actually a preschool teacher. I was a preschool teacher for 13 years. Oh, and also here in Tucson? Yep, also here oh, in Tucson. Oh my gosh. So you so not only are you multi-talented, but you've got the patience of a saint. So we'll start there. <laughs> that came, you know, I was the oldest of six too. So that's where it oh, started. Okay. <laughs> but so what I found was as I was learning to do the camera, right? And these fantastic parents that the preschool were letting me use their kids to practice. And I'm handing off the photos to the moms that I will honestly say were pretty awful at the time, right? I'm just learning. And also as a college student, small businesses who couldn't afford a graphic designer were already, they would hire um, college kids to do some basic logo work or what have you to get them started. So I was already doing that on the side. And I just found that the difference between handing off a logo to a business and photos to a mom of her child, even that were just <laughs> not the best, right? So self-proclaimed here looking back but handing those photos to her the impact that it that it made and the importance that it held I just it fed my soul and I knew that from that moment that I wanted to do something that created even the smallest bit of impact and meant something to somebody um, so that was kind of the the path I took I stopped going to um, school for graphic design and switched over and uh, the rest is kind of history there I will say I continue to spend the rest of my time like forming my photography sessions in a way that how can they be the most meaningful, impactful things that's possible in somebody's life. So we created an empowerment project for tween girls. We created the beloved sessions for couples who've been together for a really long time and they were deep dives and personal and it, it became something that truly meant something. Um, so that's what I continue to do. And then I sort of fell into doing headshots. It just became something I started doing more and more often. and Again, though, the impact was so massive. I so often had women in front of my camera who were afraid to get in front of the camera, who had had bad experiences in the past. Um, or even like just some of us don't, we struggle with the idea of just being in front of the camera, right? We have our own issues we all work with. And being able to show them this, this beauty and confidence they carry without them realizing it. So when they see their photos and they feel even more empowered to step into their business and show off who they are, that became like the new, this is what I want to do. So. Wow. And one of the things that I've heard you say a, a few times, and I think this is, uh, it, it epitomizes um, perhaps what feeds your soul is making a positive impact, that impact and how, how that matters. And, um, and it matters to your clients. It matters to your children. It matters to the moms and, you know, all of the above. So um, how long have you owned the actual photography business now? 
So it kind of really started as a hobby, but with the name about eight years ago, um, this month, actually. Oh, congratulations. Then, Happy work anniversary. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, and then it was five years ago, again, this month that I really, I kicked it off into a real business. Um, there's the joke, we did it on leap day. So there's like the joke about that, right? So technically like we're only one year old, but <laughs> <laughs> so that's, yeah. So we've been doing it for about five years professionally. That, that is, that is awesome. So when, when you look at, as far as some of the photos and some of the things that you do, and as far as, because all of that goes into, and this is, um, so many people that listen to this podcast, um, they are um, entrepreneurs. Uh, we tend to have a large women audience, um, although we certainly have lots of men that listen to the show as well. What is it that you find that women, um, there's like, um, why are they not, why are, what is your take on why women are afraid to maybe be in front of the camera or to show those things? What have you found or picked up on? You know, I think it's a deep rooted cultural society thing. And I'm a big believer in that, that change starts at home, right? We, as a culture, as a society have all these expectations for what women have to be. And it really starts at such a young age that it just becomes ingrained in who we are. We're not looking well enough. We don't, we haven't lost enough weight. We don't have any makeup on. What are all, think of any reason where you think you don't want to get on a Zoom call right now. And that's one of the reasons they don't want to get in front of a camera. Got right? it. So it's really this belief that they're not photogenic. And I always tell women, it is never your job to be photogenic. Like, it's oh, not even no, a that's real, interesting. Like, tell yeah. me more about that. <laughs> it's, you know, I say that even Beyonce has really awful photos out there, right? So it's not about how you look at all. It's about who's taking care of you behind the camera. So it's not your job to be photogenic. That's not something that's expected of you. It's your photographer's job to know how to pose you and guide you and help you look your absolute best and show your best side while also showing the true you in front of the camera. So I always tell everyone, like, take it off your shoulders. It's not your job. That is huge. And I think that that bears with, I mean, definitely is worth repeating because they see so many of these things that they're just posed. And um, I think in terms of some of the really awful high school photos that, you know, that you'll see and, uh, you know, that just look so um, just posed. There's no other way of saying it that, um, and not authentic. You can look at any yearbook and it just looks painful for some, um, yeah. so as far as what the information. So, it, in terms of your personal journey, um, we, you touched on a little, you've had some bumps and bruises along the way. You know, you were an overnight success and everything fell into your lap, right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> if only, that would have made life so much easier. I yeah, right. That <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, I could go all the way back to the beginning if I had to really. Uh, you mean. know what? Tell us a little bit about your journey. I mean, the oldest of six, that man. Um, and yeah, now, did you grow up in um, Arizona the whole time or? For the most part. So I, um, we were here for most of the early parts of our life. And then I always say that we grew up in Nebraska during my formidable years, right? Like I want to say from like fourth grade, fifth grade until I was a freshman in high school, we were in Nebraska. So that is that big part of figuring out who you are to your peers, who you are in society, right? And 
Um, it's also when a lot of girls run into cliques and bullies, which is where that empowerment project kind of comes into what I talked about. Were you but bullied? Were you bullied I, at that time? I wasn't. No, okay. no I was yeah. not. But luckily, I mean, I will say I, I had a lot of fear, right? I, I feared people. I will be honest. I was very shy. I was not um, outgoing in any sorts of the word. Um, so I'll, I'll say I grew up in some really serious child abuse mm. and, um, from my grandfather and my mother. And so it just carried all the way on until I was 18 and finally moved out and moved out on my 18th birthday. <laughs> and had, what, what gave you the courage to break through because um, coming out of an abusive childhood, that's, that's awful. Yeah. My mom didn't, I mean, I got for Christmas, I got luggage. Like she wanted me out at 18 too. <laughs> oh wow! So um, I was out at 18. Was your mom um, a single parent? Or? She was for a long time. I will say she remarried later on. And I always say that he, he saved my, my childhood. He saw some things and he really tried his best as much as a step parent can to, to create sort of some cushion, if you will. Right. Oh wow. For what was happening. And so you're the um, oldest of six, so you ended up with the brunt of it and having to be yes. junior mom and everything like that. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, but those, those carried with me, right? So even though I was free, um, I actually, it, I felt like, first of all, I'll go back to that, that I really, it caused a belief in me that I, I had to be perfect to be loved, right? Mm. That was, that okay. was a really big piece that I came away with that with. And I know many of us struggle with perfectionism and it's so often celebrated, right, in our society, which I think makes it worse because so many women struggle with perfectionism. And it's celebrated by teachers and employees. And every time I hear it, I just want to like, <laughs> like, no, stop saying it to the kids. Um, what I found though, is that it was detrimental to my being, it caused a constant state of anxiety and fear. Uh, imposter syndrome was through the roof. Because oh, I just uh, always yeah, knew yeah. that I wasn't good enough. Like I couldn't yeah. be good enough because my bar was so high to be perfect and it doesn't exist, right? So in 2018, I'll sidebar for just a second. I actually won the Reader's Choice Award for Best Photographer. And for Yay! nearly, it was very exciting, but it actually caused a bigger problem for me. So the visibility that came with that and the new expectations of always being perfect, my business nearly stopped for six months. I, the imposter syndrome and self-sabotage was out of control. I stopped getting back oh, to emails. So, I stopped. Yeah. So how did, oh, really? So how did you get out of that? What was it that you do to did to get out of that? <laughs> so um, in that particular situation, it was something I recognized and it was really frustrating, right? Like I saw it happening, but I had, I couldn't find the power to break like what was happening. I could even trace it. Like I spent time working in a couple of different books, um, May Cause Miracles by Gabby Bernstein, trying to sort out where this was all starting. And I even sorted out where it was, but I could not break that piece. Like I couldn't break it away from what I was just always doing. So what I'll say, I'll come back to that in a second because I'll tell you how I broke it. But I will say that from there, um, you know, from that childhood, I went into a domestically violent marriage because hey, it was familiar, right? Yeah. And the unfamiliar was more scary. <laughs> what was, oh, even though it was familiar, okay. and. So yeah. I was there for several years before I left. And I really wish that I could say that I left because I finally found my strength. But that's not the truth. Um, I left because I knew enough that it was not okay, that I desperately didn't want my girls to grow up thinking that this was what they wanted in their life. Like this was the normal. So I left to save them. As I became a stronger and more healed person over the years, 
uh, one thing I started figuring out was definitely, especially as I dug into my photography more, was that I wanted to find a way to help other women see their strengths. Because the things that we go through and survive and that we still play small is just astounding to me. It really is. And that's kind of where the art of her comes from. So talk, um, talk to me a little bit about uh, the art of her. What age group did you focus on and how did you, and where is that? So the art of her is a project that I created that we're kicking off, we've kicked off this year. And it's really, um, it's an artistic rendition. So it's where I get to be a little bit creative of a woman's story. So she comes in and she's got a story and she's maybe she's gone through trauma, rape, abuse, cancer and survived, right? So the many things that are really built to break a person and she's come out on top. So this is her opportunity to share her story and to inspire other women. And I create a photography um, almost like a visual artist piece of, of what I see there. So fabrics could be flying all over in the background. And that's really like my own way of saying that you're allowed to take up space. Oh, right? I love that. Yeah. You get to do that. Um, and it will culminate in a, in a um, women's event and portrait exhibition, hopefully at February, 2021, assuming everything's good to go for that kind of a, a world again. 20, 2022, a year from 22, now, right? Yes, 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 I'm sorry. I keep saying that, 2022. Um, and so again, just to celebrate them and their stories, we'll have their photos up, they'll go into a magazine. It'll be a lot of, it'll, it'll be just a really great, I think, opportunity to share stories and inspire. So what I'll say is that you asked about how I got out of the imposter syndrome. So many of you guys know her, Rhonda Peoples. I met her. <laughs> yes, Rhonda Peoples I, is amazing. She's and I always say that in meeting her, probably in like three months time of knowing her, she pushed me off more ledges to go fly than I had been off in my entire life because there was so much fear I still carried. It was like literally my state of being. And she introduced me to something called the Landmark Forum. And so that really gave way, gave me a path to heal what I recognized was happening, but I couldn't quite separate. Remember when I talked about that? So it really helped me heal those things. And the magazine itself actually came from that. Like as soon as I left, I was like, all right, I'm ready. Like, what am I going to do next? <laughs> that is fantastic. Well, and, and um, I know very, very familiar with the Landmark Forum. Uh, lots of our guests have been through the forum and one of the things that I know that it does in terms of helping a lot of people is um, really getting at the core of what is that limiting belief and understanding, you know, what is, what is true? What is that reality? I mean, it's, it is, um, it's, it's absolutely life-changing is what I would say for people. It's life-changing. Absolutely. Um, so, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I came out of it really saying that I was a different person, but as time went on a little bit, it felt so familiar, the skin, this new skin I was in, they realized I wasn't a different person. They realized that it did is it, it healed those wounds in a way that it pulled all that stuff out of my way. So mm. I could finally be who I had been all this time. Half that anxiety, I think, was like this this inner me wanting to get out and do all the things that I'm doing now, but being trapped by this constant fear. So it really what I feel like it actually did was just opened up the box and really just let me be who I am. Oh, I, and I think that um, that piece of being that authentic self um, and just, just showing up and understanding that you are 100% perfect just the way you are, you know, no ifs, buts, or buts about yep. it. So, yep. um, so anyhow, um, 
what I want to also just kind of uh, jump into, if you will, is, is from the photography, what you've done as far as what's happened during COVID. I mean, COVID, if you were doing a lot of headshots and things like that, how has that impacted you as far as, you know, your business, COVID? What, what happened? Sure. Sure. So um, the interesting thing is what COVID did for me was really help push the magazine further than I ever expected it to go. So of course my photography business, we shut down, you know, yes. like I couldn't run my business. I finally had like, I was finally on track, had my business plan. Everything was great. I had a booked full two months and all of those clients had to go on a waiting list. I had nothing, I couldn't do anything. Um, and two things came to mind. Luckily at this point, I had started really connecting in the community and I'm hearing my friends, my, the other business women I know, so many of them going, I don't know what to do. How am I going to shift? How am I going to make sure that I'm still getting um, seen? Avenue, paid, yeah. Yes. And then I saw like these really great creative people I knew as well who were getting creative already and they were like figuring it out. They were coming up with ways. Um, so I created out of necessity, the meat series and leaned into the magazine. The meat series became this weekly little little Zoom show that we did and I was connecting. I had a speaker who was getting creative or who had ideas and expertise to help other women. And I had women who were coming on who were just hungry to figure out how to make sure that their business continued during this I, time. I love it. And there's some things that we can do as far as takeaway because some people just froze and they did nothing and other people did a pivot um, and then other people did a leap. So I just want to, yes. um, so I just, as we're at the top of the hour, I just want to do a, a little uh, commercial here. I am Karen Fisher, your hostess of Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. We are broadcasting remotely on the Tucson Business Radio X. We are normally in the studio at Stuart Title's corporate offices. Um, and with me is my very special guest, Jessica Corp. And we, we're doing some deep dives as far as um, some fun things that are there. <laughs> so um, again, and I am, I'm a senior loan officer with Summit Funding and you know, we've had, I mean, the, 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 it's been quite the wild ride, if you will, with the mortgage industry. And one of the things that I know in terms of as, um, as a loan officer, I get to see and talk to everybody that's doing all their different businesses and everything. I see everything. Some people have just exploded in a positive way from COVID. Others have really contracted and some have uh, downright had to completely change their lives totally. So let's let's dive in a little bit about the magazine that just it, yeah. it it's it's there and you got to make sure to let people know how they can get their own copy. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So getting your own copy is really easy. You just go to refashionedmagazine.com. Now there's a trick, right? There's no ed on refashioned. It's just a d. So it's r e f a s h i o n d. <laughs> yeah, re, refashioned. So. Well, we'll make sure that there's um, that link in the um, that people can do that. But we want to make sure that that link and that we can get that blasted out. So perfect. tell me about tell me about what you discovered. Yeah. So. You know, I created the magazine as a way that I thought it would be really, it'd be a fun way to um, photograph in a way that I hadn't gotten too much, like this fashion style that I was really kind of drawn to, and also bring women who were doing amazing things or making an impact or really at the top of their games, trailblazing, right, in, in our own little town here, and 
use their stories to inspire other women who might be feeling like, how do I get there? Or they might even be looking at some of these women going, like you were just saying before, right? Like they just woke up and everything was great and they were successful. So it helped give this roadmap. Um, in the magazine, I actually put a quote by Brene Brown that really talks about that one day your story will be somebody else's survival guide. Mm, right? so that really is what huge. it comes down to. Yeah, I, I just loved that so much. So that was my goal. How do we take these stories of all of these women who are doing amazing things, give them some visibility because not all of them are well known. Give them some visibility because they're doing great things and let their story inspire someone else's survival guide, especially during times like this, right? So then of course, when I couldn't work as a photographer, we leaned into the meat series and started really trying to use whatever I could to help women there. And um, it became really clear to me. So the magazine was meant to just be this little thing. <laughs> it was not intended at first to become what it has become. Um, but leaning into it that way meant that it just blew up into this huge thing. So we created the Facebook group and women are in there and they're collaborating and they're connecting and their business is being done. And it's really amazing to see. But the biggest goal I have with that is giving them the space to, to grow and connect together. Um, so many of us are solopreneurs or working alone and it gives you this connection of people to lean on and um, grow together, right? When we, like I said, when we rise together, I really believe that the world is going to change. I, I, I could not agree with you more. Um, in terms of some of the things that you do as far as collaborative, I also know that you, in, in addition to the magazine, so let's, let's talk, touch on a couple of the stories. What were some of the stories? Because you might have known these people, but then you really got to know them as, did yeah. you do the interviews yourself? I did. You did. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're the chief cook and bottle washer on all of this, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, I'm the CEO, designer, photographer, yes. writer. Yes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, so what were, what were some of the things that you discovered or that you were surprised about as you were doing the interviews and, and meeting with these amazing women? You know what I was surprised most about, and maybe I what maybe part of me got it right. But I think the most impactful thing to me was how many of these women still at the high status that they are at the at the level that some of them are after all the work they've done how many of them continue to struggle sort of with that same imposter syndrome I found myself struggling with mm. two years ago and it really drove home that it never really goes away so sorry to anyone who's hoping I have the secret sauce it yeah. doesn't um but it does mean is that you're not alone and that we're all doing it and that we know that if we just work through it a little bit longer like it's success is right there on the other side mm. well and i find that a lot of times that it's baby steps it's not huge huge things it's just that little yeah. that one extra degree um yep. one of the uh one of my most favorite quotes and i've got uh, little cards that have them it's kind of cool it's about um 212 um, so I don't know if you get, you get, the audience can't see this, but I am showing this card to <laughs> Jessica and I'm going to read this out loud. Um, people know I'm a numbers geek through and through, and we just celebrated 212, but you get to have it twice a year. It'll be on July the 31st as well. And this is what it says. It says that 211 degrees water is hot at 212 degrees. It boils and with boiling water comes steam and with steam, you can power train. 
it's one extra degree that makes all the difference. And so one of the challenges on the back of the card, it says the power of extra effort and care. So think about this. These are some very tactical action items. Two extra acts of kindness weekly plants more than 100 seeds of generosity each year. 15 extra minutes a day creates over 90 hours a year for what's most important to you. So 15 minutes, like that's, we all have the same amount of time, right? One extra contact daily sparks more than 180 personal connections every six months. And then two extra risks taken each week lead to over 100 opportunities yearly for excitement and possibility. And then the admonishment says B212. And so this is, these cards are coming. This is from Sam Parker. Um, and he's got a whole series of them, really fun things at justsell.com. Cause you know, first you have to sell something. Everybody has to sell something. So, uh, you know, pick one, pick one or two of the stories that really like, they're all great, but what was one that you just thought, wow, I didn't know that. That is amazing. Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know if I can come up with one right now because <laughs> um, they all had such fabulous stories in themselves that I was completely blown away, blown away by. Um, I think I, I just keep going to that. They're all so down to earth and so like worried about the same thing that any one of us is. And that's what really just blows my mind is that it just really is exactly like you talked about. It's just that one degree. It's just the difference between not giving up and still pushing forward, even when you feel consistently like why am I doing this it's never going to work right Mm -hmm. I wish I could have like a story to give to you right now but I can't I can't even think of just one right now (laughs) yeah no that's okay it's 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 just and that's a good reason for people to get the magazine and to understand because it's such powerful stories and to recognize them the one thing that I thought was very very interesting is um yes it's refashioned but the powerful color red and how you use red um, throughout the whole magazine and Mm -hmm. um, some people that uh, honestly and I know several women that were in there I've never seen them in red they've never wore the color red they never wanted to stand out this is some of there's some people Mm -hmm. that didn't want to stand out there's others that you know they're fine right but what what is it that you think causes all business people, but women entrepreneurs themselves, besides the imposter syndrome, what is it that you think causes them to play small? I think it's fear. I I still think like it's that it still comes back to this societal internal belief that we create that we are supposed to be a certain way. So I think it's fear of not being successful or fear of failure, right? Sometimes it's fear of success. It's fear of actually being seen because then you're in the spotlight and what happens? What if you mess up? What if you, right? So it's all of those things. Well, and that's what Um, you experienced when you won Reader's Choice and, you know, you were in the spotlight and and you had to work through that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, interestingly, the, the name of the magazine came about because refashioned it's supposed to be ideally it's success refashioned right because women just do it differently we just do success differently than men do um and you know i've heard it many times most people have heard it that the men's version of success it works really great for them but so often for women it's a little hard to find our place there it's just not really built for us 
we have to do it differently. Um, so that's really where it came from. And then the red, which is in refashion, right? R-E and it, the ending letter of D is red. It's just really about encouraging you to be bold, to stand in your passion and your power, the confidence, the fire, right? That it's okay to feel those things. Despite yes. maybe what we've been told. Absolutely. Well, and, and this is the thing, uh, what a lot of times people will do, they'll say, you know, as far as the women and the men, that piece of it, they are both great. They're just different and different is right. okay. Yes. You know, I yep. remember um, many, many years ago, um, listening to, you know, I can't remember who the speaker was. I, I, it's one of two, and I don't want to butcher who it is, but they had talked about how um, if you had all of the different flowers in your garden, how do you choose the one that's most beautiful? They're all beautiful. They're just different. Mm -hmm. It doesn't yeah. mean that the rose is more valuable than the lily, than the daisy or anything like that. It's all different. And I love that. And I really think that um, one of the things that's really been hitting home for me on a personal basis is, is how detrimental comparison is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I heard and I thought that this was really well said, and it's actually something that's a tangible thing for our listeners to take, is remember that everybody's on their own path, their own journey. And comparison, if you're comparing yourself to, to anybody but yourself, if you will, is the thief of joy. I thought, you know what, that's really true. Comparison is the thief of joy. You can look at what somebody else did and say, you know what, that's amazing. I'm really excited for him or her. Um, but you cannot compare yourself to that person because we're not on the same journey. Everybody's had different things. Well, and it's not even not on the same journey. I think it's also, you're at different points of your journey. You yes. didn't see what they had to do to get to where they're at now, which is great way. Those exactly. interviews are helpful, I think, because you can see what they had to, where they had to get to there, what they had to go through, right? Exactly. But so often we compare where we're at to where someone else is at, and we just assume that we're all on this exact same parallel journey, and then you wonder why you didn't, why you're not doing as well yes. as them. And well, so I and, think it's both. and social media has caused some of those issues because social sure, media, absolutely. you're posting the highlights, right? It's mm -hmm. you're not posting the whole entire journey. It's the highlights of your vacation, so to speak. But, yep. um, and, and one of the things just in terms of, from a business standpoint, because one of the things I know is you are very active in the community in many ways, but also from a networking standpoint, you are part of BNI. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're actually the, uh, one of the executive direct, am I saying it correctly? No. So Christy would be the executive director, the, exact, the owner of the Southern Arizona, yes. but I am a director. Yes. Yes. A director. And so you oversee, um, how many chapters do you oversee? I only oversee one. So okay. I'm in a chapter and then I oversee another one. Okay. And then, um, so in terms of BNI, but you're also part of eWomen Network. So mm -hmm. eWomen Network is, uh, so for our listeners, BNI is category exclusive. It's throughout the world. eWomen Network is not category exclusive. Um, it too is throughout the world. Um, not all um, cities have chapters uh, within eWomen Network. And I too have been inv involved in both. In fact, uh, I'm the retired managing director from the Tucson chapter of eWomen Network. And then with BNI, the Copper Connections chapter, I actually was the one that uh, I, 
I'm part of that core group and technically the longest standing member of Copper Connections because uh, oh. is and the first president. It was kind of a wild thing. <laughs> um, but and, as far as with the connections, so talk to me about what networking has meant to your own personal business and your personal growth. Oh yeah, and, and you've absolutely. got other groups too. So sure, and actually, I would say in 2020, I really focused and honed in on what's the best returning, and I dropped a ton of those. So those are really my main two now. Um, B and I was introduced to me when I was still mostly a hobbyist. Um, I'd never heard of it before, just like many people who have joined, right? And somebody invited me, and I was like, "This is really great. I don't charge enough yet because as a hobbyist, I just didn't." Um, but I knew it was great to have it in my back pocket. So when the when the time came that I finally launched my my business into a business, that's one of the first things I did. I called the person who invited me and I was like, hey, are you still doing that that B and I thing? Whatever that is, is it still around? Because <laughs> I had no idea the extent the extensive network that B and I really is. Yes. And I joined as quickly as possible because I knew that I couldn't do this alone. I knew that I needed people who were out there already in the community. I needed the sales force, right? The marketing department that BNI is. And, um, but it made a huge difference. One thing that it did was it taught me, I think, how to be a business owner, right? I came from preschool. Like I worked with two-year-olds. I didn't yes. know how to run a <laughs> yeah, business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, although sometimes, right? There's not too many differences, I'll say. But, <laughs> but so I, I learned how to get really narrow when I talk about my business. I learned how to talk to other business owners thanks to their lineup of how to do one-to-ones, right? I learned how to speak. And, and for our listeners, a, a, a one-to-one -one meeting is, is really taking a deep dive intentionally yes. about somebody else's business and finding out how you can help them, not what you're going to get, Mm -hmm. but how you can help them. And I think it's yep. super important that people understand that, um, and this is very, very consistent. Zig Ziglar said it best. You can get anything you want as long as you help other people getting getting what they want. <laughs> it's okay. true, it's true. I, he said it, I butcher it, but. You know, so. so before I started BNI, there's no way I would have even done a podcast like this. Like when I would speak my 60 seconds, I had it timed perfectly because I was so much anxiety around possibly oh, getting the perfectionism things. showing up. Yes, again. yes. Right. Yeah. And my paper would shake so loud that oh. it, we had therapists visit and they would beeline it to me after the meeting to come tell me how to calm down while reading my 60 second commercial. So it, but it gave me the opportunity to constantly be in practice, right. Mm. And the opportunities to constantly build on that and grow in that. Well, to, and and it's very safe. You're, you've got yep. members that are supporting. I remember uh, when we first launched our chapter, we had two core members and, and uh, they were gentlemen. They literally had their hands in their pockets. They were staring down at the floor. And, and I mean, they were both great technicians in what they did, like what they did in their own businesses. They were the bomb.com, right? <laughs> but the piece of speaking and the piece of getting up, it was, it, it was like you, it was absolutely terrifying. Yeah, but they both have said that, that it, they, they knew they were in a safe space mm -hmm. and that is what has. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And then going back to what you said about one-to-ones, I will say that the best thing it ever did for me was it taught me that whole mentality of giver's gain, right? Which is the basis yeah. of B&I. 
And without that, I don't think that I, I literally implement that into every single thing I do now. When I think about marketing, I'm thinking about how does that give back? How does that change someone else's life? How does that give, 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 right? Because I know, like you talked about, that eventually it does come back. So I focus much more on everyone else and helping them to get the visibility, which is how the magazine got even bigger, right? Creating article options for articles. And it just became my way of life as a business owner. And, and because of that, that I know is one of the reasons that you're thriving. Um, I want to also mention that, you know, and then the other um, business that we have, which is, uh, or networking group, which is eWomen Network. eWomen Network mm -hmm. is founded by Sandra Yancey, uh, marketing geniuses. And one of the reasons why I wanted, I'm so excited to have you as a guest is because through Sandra Yancey, I was introduced to Ken Cragen. And a lot of people don't know Ken Cragen himself, but they know his works. He is the one that did um, uh, We Are the World and Hands Across America, which was the largest. I mean, it's just what he's done as far as his philanthropy and things. Um, he was Kenny Rogers and Lionel Richie's agent. I mean, just an amazing person. And one of the things that he talks about is the power of three. So from a marketing standpoint, Ken Cragen talks about um, the, the power of three or the magic of threes. And so one of the things that they said is from a marketing standpoint, anything that you do, you need to think about it in terms of three different areas. And I would encourage my listeners to Google Ken Cragen, and it's his last name is spelled K-R-A-G-E-N. And he basically, the reason why he was able to, you know, we're talking, you think about Lionel Richie and Kenny Rogers. Those are just two of the many people that are out there, but talk about, you know, launching their careers and, and big and huge mega superstars. He always did things in three. So for our listeners, it's really important to start thinking about if you're going to do a marketing campaign, what are you going to dovetail with it? So um, one of the things that's very simple, if you've got a database and you're working with people, a, an easy thing is mail call visit, mail call visit. Now we might not be able to visit face-to-face -face in person, but we can certainly zoom around all over, right? So yeah. in, in terms of the marketing, so so I, I just think that it's really important. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show, because first of all, you're an amazing person. You do an amazing work in our community and so extremely talented. But also, this is my way of giver's gain. I started the podcast because I see these incredible people also. And I don't have the photography lens and that creative, I don't have a, that I say I don't have a creative bone in my body, but that's not true. If whatever you focus on increases, right? But I do have a voice. I have a mouth. I talk a lot and I'm really <laughs> comfortable with numbers. And I just want people, I'm like, I see these people that are so amazing and I want others to hear about it. And so this is a way these get recorded and then they can just be, you know, they can be pushed out to the universe and you can listen yeah. to them over and over again and hopefully implement some of the things that you've listened. So, so these, in addition to Landmark, what else has helped you along the way? What are some of the things that you've done with eWomen Network? Because it's pretty fun too. Yeah, I really enjoy them. You know, I have to say I'm somewhat newer to them. I did join, I think 2019. Mm -hmm. So I only really got like that first year in before COVID kind of yeah. came and, and hit everything. Um, but I loved about that is really, again, just this idea of supporting other women and this um, push. I love their education piece, right? That's really a big part of what they do. 
is is bringing the education of women from all around the world who are also e-women members usually and and sharing their stories and their expertise so that was something i really enjoyed too well one of the things that's very interesting is um people have asked me what is more powerful e-women network or bni and or what is more impactful and i i'm like you can't for me personally you can't make a choice on there because it's like asking you know what is more valuable the heads or the tail of a quarter they to me they go in tandem and very interestingly because of and they're both huge international organizations mm -hmm. um dr meisner and his beloved late beth and kim and sandra yancey are very close personal friends they they mastermind together at a very, very high level with people mm -hmm. that, you know, um, international bestsellers, you know, the yep. whole nine yards. And I, I think that it's great how they have helped each other to, as far as with their businesses. And there's a tremendous mm -hmm. amount of support from BNI for eWomen Network and vice versa. Um, right. And I, I think it's really Yeah, great. I agree. I think that they fit together really nicely. Um, and that's what I've enjoyed so far for sure is just this fantastic culture of, of connecting and giving and um, sharing, I think, yes. experiences. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I want to, uh, this, that I find to be very, very interesting, this is something that was brought up just recently, and it really made me take a step back and think about this, that if you, uh, so we're, we're speaking English and writing English. And yet there's only 26 letters. Everything that's written, everything that's read, everything that is in English is 26 letters. And then they also talked about with music, music, all music, there's only 12 notes. So you think about it. I was, I mean, here I am really geeking out on the numbers for everybody, but with the 26 letters in the alphabet and the 12 notes for all music, then it just gives you an idea that it's just uh, the, the sky's the limit, like, right, that what we can do with our numbers and with our words and with our things. So let's, let's talk about some fun stuff. So tell me about your beautiful fur babies and your girls and. Sure. Yeah. So, stuff. um. Yeah, all, well, it's all fun actually, children. but <laughs> <laughs> all four of my children are girls. So they're uh, and they range from 16 to five. So we have five, um, 11, 13, and 16. Um, and have you been homeschooling pretty... on top of all of this? Helping? Yeah, yeah, oh, Zoom my... school, if you will. You have Zoom, Zoom, I call it Zoom guidance. <laughs> um, kindergarten Zoom is really an interesting world. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so that's been really fun. And then um, our two pups, I have a, a Siberian Husky. Her name is Luna. Um, and then we have also our pit healer whose name is Ash. And so there are our babies. I, I call Ash my Velcro dog. He is always in every room I've had, it seems oh like. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, so he he's a mama's boy. Even though the funny thing is, is that my poor my poor husband, right, the the one guy with all these women in the house, he's the minority in the sorority right now. That's for sure. Yeah. Right? So when we went to get our our dog, we went to the rescue. We went to the humane society, and his one thing was like, I don't care what we get as long as it's a boy. And of course, we left with Luna because I'd always wanted a husky. So <laughs> he's, I one thing he does is always a uh, he's he's a great supporter and he likes to make sure I'm happy and that's the sweetest yeah. thing. <laughs> How did you guys meet? How did you two meet? 
So we actually met at a friend's house. They were having a poker party <laughs> and I was kind of still in the, the devastation of what had happened to my previous marriage. And um, she wanted to set me up with someone else going through a divorce, which is really hilarious. He and I did not connect, but uh, Jim and I, uh, we did, and we continued to build on that relationship. And uh, we had, it was five years in before we finally got married, uh, but, <laughs> well, but um, it's been a pretty awesome 10 years. Oh, that's, that is awesome. Well, uh, and I would say too, I'm going to add really quick. I'm going to give him props because the only reason I have a photography business is because he pushed me to leave um, the preschool because the preschool. I was that person who everything I wanted it in my box and it was all perfect. I knew how much I made. I knew what bills could be paid. I knew but running a business is risky. That's scary. Like, <laughs> I don't think I would have done it if he hadn't been such an amazing supporter. Uh, well, that is cool. So, um, so I've got just a couple of other little fun trivia questions sure. and then um, you, you, it's hard to believe that we're going to be wrapping this up, but first and <laughs> foremost, and I think I know the answer to it, but what is your favorite color? Um, well, obviously red's big on my list. <laughs> Um, but the funny thing is, is that my, my family's having a hard time shifting to this red thing because purple has always been one of my favorite colors. Uh, they're like, they're like, what's happening here? What's happening? I, I dress in a lot. Like, I believe that you are your brand. So I wear a lot of my brand colors and I show up in, in my brand style. Right. So, um, they're adjusting. <laughs> they're adjusting. That is, that is huge. And, um, and then in terms of, are you a night owl or a morning person? Oh, I'm definitely a morning person. I, I, I'm like an old lady at like eight 30 comes and I'm like, are we going to bed? Like, I'm so tired. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. So, um, and then, uh, when you, when we're back, uh, when we, everything is able to be open, what's the first group, uh, like, where do you want to go and party? Like, where is the fun thing that you would like to have where you can have more than five people? <laughs> so I will say people are surprised by this often, but I am rather introverted. So probably the first thing I would want to do is have people and family over to my house and for us to have a great barbecue and really just enjoy each other's company have some nice glasses of wine and then I can send them home so I can relax at home in front of the TV afterwards. <laughs> Dude, that, that is perfect. That is perfect. Well, I want to let you know, we are uh, wrapping up. We are at the end of our hour. I know that um, it always goes by fast and uh, Jessica, you're, yeah. you are, you are truly a gift and I, I want to make sure that we've got everything posted. It's on the website and things like that. But um, for them, go ahead and give them your phone number. So if they want to reach out to you, they either want sure. photography or they want to get clarification on all of the fun things that you do. Um, go Perfect. ahead. Sure. Um, if you want to connect with me, my phone number is 520-975-9051. And um, you can reach me there. Okay, fantastic. And again, I am Karen Fisher. I am, like I said, a senior loan officer with Summit Funding, and I can be reached at 520-447-2279. That's 520-447-2279. Um, I just want everybody to, and to continue on that journey for all of us of being healthier, wealthier, and wiser. Mm -hmm.